Here it comes. It's the Music City Real Estate Show with Andrew Buckwalter. Coming to you from his roving camper studio, The Rambler, in Nashville, Tennessee. Join us as we travel about town to discover the best real estate in areas you want to know about. With expert advice, finding the best deals, and meeting Music City's hit makers and emerging artists who call Nashville their home. And now, here's Andrew. Hello, Nashville and all the other listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in to Music City Real Estate Show. Today, I'll be sitting down with Terry Burns with Allstate Insurance, and we will be discussing everything insurance-related, what to look for in an agent, and what good coverage is, and just many things regarding that. Also sat down with Ryan Stackhouse, and we discussed music as well as listening to him play a few songs on the mandolin. So I think you will enjoy that. Now turn up the volume and listen to Ryan play a little music on the mandolin. So this one's called uh, Two O'Clock in the Morning, and uh, it's, a, it's a fiddle tune. Um, I, I can't remember right off right off hand who wrote it, but it's been it, it gets played around the fiddle tune circuit, um, bluegrass circuit quite a bit. But it's a fun, lively tune. We play it with our bluegrass band, so here we go. faux pas there but <laughs> that's part of it right? yeah it's live hello nashville i'm sitting here with ryan stackhouse we are sitting um in his uh driveway in yeah. east nashville yeah um on this nice what is it a tuesday wednesday morning wednesday yeah i can't keep up with the days the boys started school yeah um, already in August. yesterday yeah and uh just that one day i'll throw the whole week off you yeah. know um yeah. So, anyways, uh, Ryan, I met him a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, or a month ago, or something. Yep. But he is a lender, mm-hmm. local lender in Nashville, and he also, as we were talking, he plays the mandolin. Ten-time mm-hmm. um, Grammy nominator, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All nominations. All nominations. Okay. <laughs> no winning. Like your wife nominated you. <laughs> yeah, each time. Yeah. yeah, my kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so, anyways, I was like, "Hey, well, cool. Let's uh, let's have you in the Rambler and uh, talk a little music and throw in a little real estate uh, and have you play a little bit." So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Ron. Sure. So, um, 
I, I moved down here. My brother was living here prior to my moving down here and um, was visiting my brother coming down for shows, you know, Nashville being known for music and all. I was living in uh, Indianapolis and had lived up there for 13 years and went to school up there and started coming down here to visit my brother, going to shows, going to bars and uh, was hanging out with him at a at a Super Bowl party and met my beautiful wife. And as they say, the rest is history. Nice. Um, she from here? She actually grew up in Ohio, but she went okay. to Trevecca. So she's been okay. here for 12 years, somewhere okay. in there. Um, so she had a friend group here, which was nice to kind of plug into a friend group along with my brother and mm-hmm. having family here. And uh, immediately fell into a sort of music scene here. And was pretty intimidated by it at first, moving to Nashville from indie, you know, even having bands up there. You know, Nashville is just a different level of, of uh, skill. So um, I once I kind of broke into the bluegrass scene, it was pretty exciting. And I felt I felt, uh, you know, it, it, the, the bluegrass scene here is very welcoming. The music scene is very welcoming. Um, people are very humble, even when they're crazy talented. You know, so uh, so that that was cool to kind of break into that and have open arms to to welcome me in and um, got in the mortgage business here right away. Just kind of transferred, got a job down here right away in the uh, mortgage business because I needed to feed myself and and uh, keep that going. So it's it's taken me a little while to build a network, but I I'm feeling good about it now. So right. yeah, yeah actually, I, actually I forgot I met you. I don't know, probably four years ago, right? With another lender you were with, briefly. Remember we were- Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, with uh, Brendan, yeah. Yeah. So, so how about your history? So, where did you, how did you learn to play the mandolin? And is that your main instrument? um, And what inspired you to do it? Sure. So, I actually studied guitar um, growing up. And I started playing guitar when I was about nine. And- uh, I I was fascinated with the guitar. Actually, it was like Guns N' Roses and stuff like that that inspired me to pick up guitar. And my parents got me an acoustic at first, and I was like, wah, wah, <laughs> this sucks. <Wow. laughs> it's like, I can't play November Rain solos on an acoustic, you know? Right. Um, but I'm grateful that they did because it made me learn the basics, and it made me learn. But my parents listened to, like, old country, and my grandparents listened to old country. So it made me learn that stuff and like develop an appreciation for it. And I didn't know back then the impact that it would have on me, but um, you know, listening to that stuff and just having that as a, what was that stuff? What what uh, would you, you know, Hank Williams, Willie Mm -hmm. Nelson, um, you know, all, all all the uh, fifties, sixties country up until, you know, eighties country, you know, uh, my parents listened to all that stuff. And my grandparents always had a radio playing in their kitchen on top of the fridge. So I'd always hear like okay. you know, old country playing in there. So That's cool. I just have fond memories of that. And you go out in the barn and grandpa had a radio playing in the barn too. So, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because it makes me think this was a, this is 1961 Scotsman. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when you look at an old house, like being in East Nashville, yep. one of the cool things I like about the homes are the character. Yeah. And... Even the history and, you know, when you step into a house to think how many people lived here and mm-hmm. how many memories have been created, you know, it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then, so I think about here, I'm like, huh, I wonder how many people stayed in here and 
where some I bet there was some good country oh yeah rocking in here you know oh, in yeah. the 60s yes um, so it's kind of yeah. I haven't really given it a whole lot of thought to, to think of uh, you know what went on in here <laughs> yeah that's that's a that's a really cool thought and to think about like the energy that yeah. that happened the energy exchanges yes. and, and we're creating new ones so. right 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 that's yeah. cool so you learn the uh, acoustic and then mm-hmm. then you step into so i learned the acoustic and did that up until um all through high school and college i played in like jazz band and you know all that kind of stuff and then uh, got really into blues when i got out of high school and and then went into college and more more I got more focused into jazz. And once I got into jazz, I got into like um, jam bands and I got into like, um, you know, different, different forms of jazz. And that led me down the path of Olden in the Way, David Grisman, Jerry Garcia. Um, so once I heard Olden in the Way, I was hooked with the bluegrass bug. Like I heard that and I was like, okay, this is cool. You know, um, because I heard these guys that were like rockers that were pulling off bluegrass, you know? Right. And I was like, all right, I got to check this out. So I was about 22 years old. I had a roommate in college who was from Greece. And he actually got me for a birthday gift. He got me a cheap mandolin, um, gave it to me. And he was like, you need to try this. So, and you're uh, how old at this, at this point? I was 22. Okay. So um, in college. And... Uh, I sat down with it and, you know, the transition from guitar to mandolin wasn't too crazy. It's basically a, it's tune and fifth. So it's like a guitar upside down. Okay. So like the, the high string is like the low E and then vice versa, A, D, G. So, um, so it was, a, it was a fairly, I, w- I wouldn't say an easy transition. It was a new, you know, kind of pattern um, of learning the scales, but it wasn't, wasn't crazy hard. So. I got passionate uh, pretty quickly. So, nice. Yeah. So we're all like, so how, how much did you pursue that? Was it more like a weekend thing? Um, you know, how far have you gone with the music stuff? Sure. So, um, so I've always played in bands. Um, it's always been like something that I really like the, um, the camaraderie and the, the community of a band. Um, but I've never done it full time. It's always been like something that I, I've never had the the guts to really go for it full time. And now that I have a family, I, I can't. <laughs> right. uh, at least in my mind, I can't. Right, I don't know. right. I'm I mean, sure some people listen and go, but no, you can. But yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. There's just the health benefits and all that stuff that I, I can't give right. up right now. But, right. uh, but you know, we, we play probably two, three times a month with the bluegrass band that I play in now. And it's, it's, it's fun. It keeps me out, keeps me doing the stuff that I love to do. And, you know, I get to mingle with people and play with other great musicians. So, so what's the band um, called? Uh, the Dharma Billies. Okay. So, yep. So how, um, so how, so you're 22 and you learned a mandolin and from that yep. point you just really stuck with it, right? I did. I still play, I still play a lot of guitar and, uh, Angie, my wife, she's an amazing singer. So okay. we, we, we play and, um, we play weddings and all, all sorts of stuff. It, it, it wasn't like intentional that we played wedding weddings, but people have asked us and we, 
we've just done it because nice. we yeah we we post uh videos every once in a while on facebook okay. and we used to do every friday i used to do a friday fiddle tune i shouldn't say used to i've just kind of taken a break for the last month or so and I'll, I'll get back to it but um we we post a lot on facebook so our friends are like hey you guys can sing right, play. you want right. to play at our wedding or yeah. you want to play you know we played some funerals which was <laughs> the other side of it right <laughs> um but definitely a, a cool honor to do that yeah that's so, a, so what is what's your wife she what does she do she's a stay-at-home mom okay she yep she wrangles the the two under two so. yeah Two under two, yeah. I couldn't remember the age. Yeah, I yeah, know my wife. She was, uh, I think, she seemed kind of sad because two of the boys yeah. were going back to school. But yep. in my mind, I'm thinking, you got two kids out of the house, yeah. like got some freedom. Um, <laughs> now you know we got the two year old now, and um, although his his schedule is having to change a little bit because he's waking up. Yeah, you know, she's waking them up, and she's getting structured to her mornings. I'm waking up earlier. I'll tell you. Sure. I, waking up at six, they they catch the bus at six fifteen. Oh wow! Yes, yeah. So, you so guys we're are waking up, up at like five fifty. Oof! Yeah, and it's good. I mean, I always yeah. say hey, I want to get up at like five thirty, but sure. man, I tell you what, and it's I can I can relate to the boys are like, oh, they want to jump back into bed. I'm like, I know, I do too. <laughs> we can't. We got to, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I need the discipline of doing something. You know, right. Yep. And, uh, and they finally get moving. But man, I tell you, it's it's the night before getting to bed. At yes. Time. Yeah. Corralling. Definitely. Corralling the whole crew. Our two-year-old likes to go to bed right now at about 9.45 or 10. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't matter what time he goes to bed. He's still up at 6.30. 7, right. You know. Right. And, and I get up early. I got up about 6 this morning. So um, I'm, I'm, you know, I tend to try and help her but if i'm going to fit in a run or something right. like that i got to get it done early well so. hudson he'll, he he was sleeping till like nine you know? yeah he would, wow. he would sleep late um so did you have family that played as well or did you just something you just decided to jump into yeah so not really i didn't really have family that played i just had you know parents and grandparents that appreciated music mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. you know we grew up around a farm life was centered around like the family farm my grandparents had the family farm and my dad grew up there and then we lived kind of in in town but in town was a 5,000 population little town in northern indiana you know lagrange indiana okay um if you look it up it's it's not big so well i'm looking you got any chicken coops or anything around no, no 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 chicken coops uh my parents have a big garden and next door they've got donkeys and horses that they help the neighbor with but yeah, we we've talked about the chickens. Um, we've had friends that have had them, and raccoons got them, or the dogs oh, okay. harassed them. So um, we may eventually. So, so did you? Have you ever traveled much with the music? Um, you know, when I was up in Indiana, we would play around Southern Indiana and into Kentucky, and around here, really, just the furthest we've gone is like up to Bowling Green and kind of regionally. You know, nothing. Nothing too crazy. Is there so. a general area where bluegrass is more popular than others? Yeah, I would say I would say like the southeast and and really the mid south is you know Kentucky is considered the birth of bluegrass um, from Bill Monroe and uh, Tennessee is it's got a stronghold here as well. But I would say you know throughout throughout the southeast there's quite a bit of bluegrass um, 
preservation and heritage that uh, a lot of people, you know, the generations before us that are keeping it alive and then younger generations that are keeping it alive as well. I happen to like the the old stuff. So I like to preserve that old sound and our, our band kind of strives to to keep that old sound alive. So uh, do so do you do have you done any session work like is a mandolin a, a- popular session instrument? I haven't done a lot of session work. Um, I've sat in with some people, you know, that, that play and, um, done a lot of that kind of stuff, but the session stuff, I wouldn't, I would think that one could stay busy doing that, but, uh, you know, with, uh, with my daily office schedule, it's, you know, that's what I'm sitting there thinking. I'm like, you know, my mind, I'm thinking, well, he's a lender. He's busy, yeah. you know. So, really, yeah. that's obviously your main it, focus. Yeah. And eventually, you know, right now, the goal is, you know, we're buying rental properties to create passive income and multifamily stuff to create passive income. So, the goal is by, you know, late 40s to be to be able to choose what we do. And that that could give me a point in time where I could do more studio stuff and, and kind of live that life that, maybe I was too afraid to do earlier mm-hmm. on in life and it gives me the freedom to do that. So, well, on that note, let me write down all your search criteria and let's, let's find <laughs> yes. you some homes. Um, no, I think that's awesome. I read this book freelance to freedom. Yeah. Um, and a, a buddy of mine, Vincent Puglisi, it'll be coming out, I think first of the year. Yeah. But it, he, he was in a job he didn't love and he got into um, photography um, and doing some of it that he wasn't just thrown about, but he made uh, a goal to get out of debt. Yep. And basically the premise of the book is kind of walking through his journey, but it's titled Freelance to Freedom, as yeah. I said. It's awesome. And it's getting to the point where, you know, either one, I guess you have the income or your stuff's paid off yep. to where you can make those choices. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to always feel that pressure to bust it. Or as I was talking with a group of guys yesterday, talked about if the economy if we do have another bubble Mm -hmm. and you have no mortgage yep or no debt you know you're not pulling your hair out yeah you know yeah um you know if you have a lot (laughs) (laughs) if you're so blessed like you (laughs) so um that's you know perfectly what you're what you're saying you know and that's kind of where yeah my trek is in the last probably six months i've switched gears to going all right you know let's uh Let's kind of change our thinking. Yep. Um, and I'm even struggling as I'm still pulling this, uh, as I'm pulling the Rambler with a minivan. Yeah. Um, and I'm still trying to decide. It's like I got my eye on a on a forerunner. Sure. But my eye is not locked on the price yet. Yeah. You know, and I'm just yeah. like, you know what? And actually, I'm probably gonna go swing by and look at one today. And I'm I'm uh, I'm done with giving it much thought. So yeah. I might just pull the trigger. Yeah. But, uh, but that's cool. So the. Yeah. So what advice from a musician, what would you give, um, you know, I don't know what, how about like, I know there's musicians out there that love playing their instruments, sure. they love and appreciate music. Yeah. Um, and there's some that are, you know, struggling to make it. And mm-hmm. I think because they love it so much, they can't let go of it. Yeah. And they're not giving it, you know, their normal job, like you're lending yep. your all. So you know, you could be like, man, I want to pursue this mandolin. I'm going to, you know, do this. And, and you could suffer, but you obviously are focused lendings, you know, number one. What would you, I guess, pass on the musicians that, I guess, struggle with it? You know what I mean? Between the two. Yeah, sure. You know, you know, I think, I think any of the principles that, that 
probably you and I employ could, could apply to any entrepreneurship and me, being a musician is an entrepreneur, you know? Um, I think <clears throat> if, if you've never read like some of the self self help, self discipline kind of books, you know, think and grow rich that can, that can apply to really anything. Um, cause there's a principle in that book that, that just talks about like, if you have enough sheer determination to chase something, you will get there. And, you know, visualizing and setting yourself up mentally to know that I'm, I'm going to hit this goal and I'm, I'm feeling the emotions of that, that goal. And I, I'm, I'm going to sit there and visualize and picture myself in 10 years when I'm in that, that goal. I think that's, that's the most important facet of um, gaining quote unquote success in whatever you do. Um, you know, the, the music thing, I have no doubt that if I had pursued it as wholeheartedly as I did the mortgage world, I could have done it. Um, I think I just saw more opportunity for more freedom if I pursued the real estate avenue and just um, started building passive income. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a slave to a, a J-O-B the rest of my life. You know, I wanted to create a life that um, where Number one, I could spend more time with my kids and my family because they're number one to me and the rest of my family and then be able to travel and play music and do all the things that I love, you know, and I feel like I'm not sacrificing the music to do those things. You know, I still have a lot of balance in life. And, you know, for me, it's all about the work life balance, having, right. having that. So, yeah, I guess it's yeah having the clear goals, right? Yep. yep. Um, versus just going through life, like hoping this, hoping that. It's yeah. Like, get some focus yeah. and, uh, you know, tune in to it, yes. whatever it is. And if it's, yep. it's making that decision of going, all right, music is going to be X amount of hours. Yep. Right. And then whatever else is going to be this. So, yep. yeah. And I think too, that it's really important to have good dialogue with yourself. You know, if you're, if you're going to pursue anything, you know, music industry in Nashville is tough. It's tough to, to do real estate here too, believe it or not, because it's so competitive. And I would say like having firm belief in ourselves and telling ourselves every single day, I'm worthy of this and I'm, I'm, I can do this. I'm, I'm going to do this. You like know? Stuart I'm, Smalley, right? Yeah. I'm good <laughs> enough and I'm smart enough and doggone it. People will like me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I actually had another um, uh, guy I know called me up picking my brain when yeah. we get into real estate. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I can, you know, I, I can prejudge people and go, I think he'll do well. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you never know, but I think he'll do well. Um, I have to put you in contact with him. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, um, it, the national market's so great. I was yeah. thinking, I'm like, what if there wasn't all this technology? Yeah. One, real estate wouldn't be as easy. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, just the convenience of all mm-hmm. the electronics and stuff. Yeah. But two, everybody hears about the national market. So. Yes. Everybody's like, hey, I want to get into real estate. Yeah. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've seen a few get excited about it, but I, yeah. I would say either one fear or two just not having that clear, you know, goal set mm-hmm. that they're not doing anything. With yeah. It, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I'm on biggerpockets.com, the the uh, website, and they, they've got a podcast as well. Okay. And um, anytime I post about like, 
Um, I've contemplated selling some single family rentals just to replace it with multifamily. And anytime I post anything remotely near that, it's like a hound of wolves that that are like, hey, if you're thinking about selling, let me know. You know, there's all these people around the country that just want to absorb Nashville. Oh, right, right. Yeah, real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 pretty crazy. The perception um, of Nashville and, you know, the media attention that we're getting as well. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely uh being a being a real estate, you same with lending. It, yeah, it makes us excited. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I think back to 16 years ago when we just chose um, between Georgia and Arkansas and said, "Hey, let's uh, yeah, that's- let's move to Nashville <laughs> and let's look for jobs." You know, yeah. um, it was pretty that's- fun to think of just you know making that uh, making that move and Those- now um, it's like and I and we didn't move here for music. Sure, know? we just said, "Yeah, hey, it's midway between and it's." seems it's a decent sized city and, yeah um and now i look back and go man that's was a great choice yeah uh it was it was similar for me because my wife wanted to move up to indianapolis because i had a friend group up there that's really awesome and you know we're still really close with those people so it, it was really you know i think of it as a, a god or a universe thing mm-hmm. it was like that you know someone was guiding me or something right, was guiding right. me and it was you know definitely fortuitous it it worked out really well right so. well yeah definitely and i look back even getting in real estate um and you just you look at the big picture and you go oh yeah that's mm-hmm. why that that's why that's you know that's why i think um when people are stuck in a uh in a spot you mm-hmm. know it's like hey look just just get yourself out of it reach out and then um you'll look back and hopefully be excited about, you know, what brought you where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the journey. That's for sure. All right. Stay tuned for the second part of the interview with Ryan. And now we're going to sit down with Terry Burns and start learning about insurance and why you need it and why premiums, although not always fun to pay, like in my case, it's it's definitely a benefit to have insurance that is covering you in a time of need. All right, I am sitting here with Mr. Terry Burns. Um, we are going to discuss insurance. Um, and we are in Mount Julia right now, sitting in the shade. It got a little warm today, so I had to find a little hideout. There you go. Um, so actually, one of the reasons why I thought insurance would be good is because I'm currently in the process of going through and working with my insurance because our house flooded while we were on vacation. Oh, wow. So yeah. we had about uh, one to two inches um, all downstairs. Bless your heart. I know it, as they say in the South, right? Yes. And uh, so so I was actually, I was going to kind of do some builder stuff, which I still will for the month of uh, August, but um, I was like, you know what? I reached out to Chris and I was like, hey, man, can you do a podcast? And I thought, hey, this would be a good timing because I'm working through all that stuff. Right. Um, and then I didn't tell you too, but like a, about a month ago, my car was stolen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now they ended up finding it about two days probably prior to the Was it stripped down? No, it was totally fine. Okay. Um, they good just for you. took it out. Um, you know how a lot of people have been in different areas, kind of all around Nashville, just checking the door handles, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, they checked mine. I had it outside, which I'm used to parking in the garage. Left the keys in it. Push button. Had it unlocked. So I made it pretty easy. But yeah. yeah, so I was figuring if that claim went through and then this happened, they probably would have dropped me. 
They might have. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, I'm going through that. Um, so I figured, hey, good time to sit down and, and discuss homeowners insurance and all kinds of insurance. So um, oh, very so good. Terry, and, and, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I will. Uh, Terry Burns, born and bred in Arkansas, uh, moved to Nashville, Tennessee back in 1988 when I worked with Frito-Lay and uh, just love this area, love this community. My wife started teaching school out here in Mount Julia, okay. Wilson County. And so we left Frito-Lay and started changing jobs to get to stay here. Uh through two or three other different jobs, I found my way into the NFL and worked for the Oilers and Titans. All state insurance became my biggest client. Okay. And uh, started really getting to know the agents. And my whole perception of insurance agents changed then. Because as a kid, I remember the insurance man knocking on the front door, mama opening the door, him putting his black shoe in between the, the door and the screen door. And kind of not letting you close the door till they came in, sat out the kitchen table and sold something. And that is not my personality. That's not how I like to do business. And honestly, up until I really got to know these Allstate agents when I worked for the Titans, uh, that was my perception of insurance. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I thought it was complicated. I had to pay a premium, which I disliked. And I just never imagined myself being, quote, unquote, an insurance agent. But what I really found in common with all state agents that I got to know, and I'm sure it's true with a lot of the agents in the industry, regardless of the brands uh, or the carriers that they sell for, is, you know, insurance agents, really, if they're good agents, they're there for two simple reasons to help you in your time of need and to make sure before that time of need happens that you're well prepared. And I really, truly believe it takes more than 15 minutes and it's not worth risking 10 or 15% for you to be unprepared. You know, you were mentioning to me a little bit, Andrew, about some of the things you've gone through and maybe if you had a couple of claims that uh, you might've got dropped. Right. Well, here's one thing, especially true with Allstate, that a lot of people don't know. A lot of people think that it benefits you greatly to shop your insurance every six months or once a year. Uh, And yes, you're going to find companies from year to year that are going to drop their rates for whatever reason. They're going to maybe be a little bit less. They're going to try and entice you maybe with an introductory rate. Mm-hmm, right. But with Allstate, if you stay with our company five years or longer, you gain what's called tenure. And once you become a tenured client with your carrier, you really gain some advantages because in our case, while your rates could go up, regardless of the number of claims, once you're tenured, we can keep your business and we will not drop you. Gotcha. And that kind of gives you some peace of mind because you talk about putting you in panic. Right. You go through two or three claims and all of a sudden that's a bad enough experience as it is. Mm-hmm. Then boom, you're getting a letter. You're dropped. And then, you know, claim free discounts, those kind of things. They're not going to be out there for you. You might have to go with a subpar carrier. It could get really expensive. So I would just encourage people who listen to this, people who we deal with to realize there's a lot of value in finding an agent you trust one who really will help get you prepared and then sticking with that company 
through the ups and downs of the rates because over the course of 20, 30 years of being in the home, the rates, for the most part, are going to balance out over that time frame. But you start shopping around changing carriers, uh, you could really get yourself in trouble. So again, why I'm here and why Mm -hmm. I'm here today and why I believe in so much what we do, my whole perception, as I said, of being an insurance agent's changed. And we spend so much time truly trying to get to know our clients, what their needs are. And then that way, when they do have a claim, they're well prepared and we walk them through it. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I think over the last two or three years, really the more financially smart I've gotten, Mm -hmm. you know, the more you're planning for the future. Well, you got to factor in all the insurance stuff. And I, when I look at, like, I was doing my budget recently and I kind of looked at all the premium payments and it's just like, oh my gosh, insurance. So I'm not one that just, which I don't know if anybody does cartwheels over premiums, but it's almost like, you know, there's a lot of nurses out there. You know, people, they're nice. When you have a baby and they're really there to take care of you, you just, you have this great appreciation for nurses, you know, absolutely. it was this big emotional time. Um, and it makes me think of insurance. So I haven't, aside from a few speeding tickets, which I've usually been able to get probation. So my insurance has never hiked really because of that. Uh, but until the last, as I was telling you, my car got stolen, even though the claim didn't go through, they were there, you know, for me during that time. And now going through this home thing, it's like, all right, so now the premiums are worth it. So absolutely, it is uh, It is good. And I guess even thinking, I say that jokingly that they would drop me. But I guess if that really was to happen, it would be like, you'd be kind of ticked because, you know, you're paying all this premiums in. And yes, they had to pay out. But that's kind of the whole point of insurance, right? Is they take that risk yes. on you. So, uh, uh, so, yeah, so I'm gaining more appreciation for premiums because now that we're going through this process and being taken care of right um we're like okay this is this is what it's for this is what insurance is for absolutely and it can be a big part of uh, a family's budget uh i know it's a big part of mine but again just think about it let's say an average house in the nashville market's two hundred fifty thousand dollars and heaven forbid you were underinsured even by $50,000 and had a total loss, do you want to build back 85% of your home? Do you want to take a shortcut? Of course not. So it really, truly does count. And, you know, the biggest advice I can give anybody is making sure that if you try to talk to an insurance company or an insurance agent, If the main thing they're interested in is giving you a quote and how much money they can save you, that's okay, but beware. Mm -hmm. You need somebody who's going to probably spend an hour, hour and a half, two hours getting to know you, know your family, know the ins and outs of your financial situation, what you have to risk, what you have to lose and how to best work all that into a budgeted premium that meets your needs. Because again, the time to find out you don't have the right insurance, the right coverage, the right deductible or enough insurance is after the claim. Because that adjuster will tell you, sorry, that's not covered. 
Right. And by law, that's all they can do. Now, actually, a couple of people have uh, asked me, if you didn't have flood insurance, how is all of what I'm going through now covered? Is that that's just a different policy or that falls it, in different? It, it, it is. Uh, if, if water comes into your home because of sewer backup or because of sudden and accidental water leakage, then that's covered under your homeowner's policy. So okay. an example, uh, I started the washer this morning, actually, before I left for work. If I come home this afternoon and all of a sudden I got three inches of water in the kitchen because the pipe on the washing machine busted, that's sudden. That was accidental. And even though that's water, that's covered under my homeowner's insurance. Different scenario. Uh, it rains. And it rains like it does did in 2010 here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I get a foot or two or three or eight feet of water in my house. That's not covered. Unless I have flood insurance, and it's a total separate policy, regardless of your carrier, there are no homeowner's policies that cover flood. You have to have a separate flood policy. It's issued through FEMA, so it comes through the government. It's highly regulated, and it's highly restrictive. If you're in a flood zone, it can be expensive, mm-hmm. but that that's the difference. So in your case, your water coming right. in, Andrew, would, would have been covered. Now, um, in a case of where in 2010... Was any content covered in the house or it was total loss? It's a total loss if it's water unless you have flood insurance. Or in some cases, if wind damage happens first and then water comes in as a result of wind damage, that is a named peril in most homeowner products. So it gets to be a little tricky. Uh, Thankfully, we don't live in a hurricane area, but uh, that's a $64,000 question down on the coast. Did the wind blow the roof off and then the rain fill the house up with water? Or did the rain flood and come in the house and then the roof get blown off afterwards? Right. So it gets to be a little tricky. And I'm not a claims expert, but for the most part, it's good sound advice. If you're in a flood zone, you have to have it. Uh, If you even think or you're even concerned that you might have flooding of any kind, then uh, investing in flood insurance is a good thing. Now, um, speaking of adjusters, so does each insurance company have their own adjusters within? Are there adjusters in general and they work for multiple um, insurance companies? You know, that's a great question, uh, truly, and a lot of people really wouldn't even think about that. Most companies, depending on their scope and size and scale, like an all-state or a state farm, possibly a nationwide. Some of your bigger companies uh, will have a group of adjusters that work strictly for them, and they handle routine home claims, and they handle the collision business with the auto insurance. Now, where regional-type adjusters or independent adjusters get involved are normally during a storm. To give you an example, I believe it was three years ago, we had the ice dams on the roofs, and all of a sudden, nobody knew anything about that. And three weeks later, all of a sudden, we've got 210 claims in our office filed in one day. So no company can gear up for the catastrophe with enough adjusters. So that's when adjusters come in, and you may get uh, an independent adjuster. Uh, You may get one that works for your carrier. Uh, they should 
do the same type job. But what I always encourage our customers to do is first, if you're going to file a claim, call me, call one of my agents, talk to us, because it doesn't always make sense to file a claim depending on the discount you have and your deductible. Uh, In a big case, still call us. If you know my my roof's gone, I'm going to file a claim, still give us a call. Uh, We're here for you. You don't have to feel like you're calling a 1-800 number and getting somebody you don't know. Call us. You know, the valuable lesson I learned, Andrew, when I first started as an agent, 2004, I'd been an agent about three months. Uh, My agent gave me her home phone number when I moved to Nashville. That's back when I worked with Frito-Lay. And I said, Miss Broman, I'll never call you at home. She said, you might. And I'm like, no, I would never bother you at home. If I need you, I'll call you at the office. She said, Mr. Terry, she said, not all claims happen between 8 and 4.30, Monday through Friday. Chances <laughs> are they're going to happen before 8 when you're driving to work or after 5 when you're driving home or on the weekends or in the middle of the night. You call Miss Beth if you need me. I'm your agent. I'm here. So I remember that when I started my agency, I'm giving people my home phone number. And over the years, I probably got 100 calls at home, not issue. But the first one I got was one to remember. A house was on fire at 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And it was a single mom with three kids, and she literally did not know what to do. Uh, I was able to go out and help the family uh, get through everything. And just the thank yous I've got, and I'm not trying to pat me on the back, but I, I learned a valuable lesson. I learned why I'm an agent. I need to be there at the time of truth for my clients. And that's the claim process. That's it. So we encourage people to call their agent, call us when you have a claim. Let us get involved on the front end. Even if it's a catastrophe, even if it's an independent adjuster working with you, we will absolutely you know, for no better term, hold your hand, walk you through the process. We will do everything we can to get you satisfied 100%. And insurance means to restore you back to where you were. It's a term called indemnification. So we're going to get you back to where you were. Gotcha. So um, with the market in Nashville, has it affected insurance rates with all of the growth and More traffic and all that stuff? You know, this would be my guess and how it normally affects things. Uh, To answer that question easily, yes. Um, Where it should have an impact on homeowners is insurance is no more than the pool of large numbers. Each company is required to hold in reserve. And depending on how much return they get on their reserve, allows them to file rate uh, with the state. And in some cases, the bigger that pool, the better the returns, your rates can actually go down because there's not as much pressure. Because what your state insurance commissioner wants from that company is if everything goes crazy at one time and you got to play all your customers out, they want you to have enough money there to be financially sound to do that. Okay. Like so, the flood. Like the flood. So with the homes being built here and the people moving here, uh, our, our homeowner rates are going down. And the economy's better. 
Uh, the market's doing good. So some of the investments and some of the things that they put our reserve money in, I'm assuming are performing really well. Gotcha. Now, the flip side, and it's not just necessarily happening in Middle Tennessee. It's happening countrywide, but more so here in Middle Tennessee with the growth. More people are driving. More people are on the roads, and we're not building new roads, as you know. Uh, it gets pretty crazy in traffic. So here in Middle Tennessee, there are a lot of pressure on all the insurance carriers on auto insurance. There are more accidents. They're more severe. We have more technology, not only in our hand that we're playing right. with when we're driving, yeah. but on those cars. Uh, give you an example. A mid-sized BMW 10 years ago, the side mirror on it, would have been a $125 part and would have taken a mechanic 15 minutes to put back on. So if you had a $500 deductible, you wouldn't even have made a claim if that mirror got knocked off. That same mirror today has got a computer chip in it. It tells you if somebody's beside you. It tells you how fast you're going. And some of them even give you directions from your GPS to turn left or right or to go mm -hmm. straight. So it's about a $1,500 part. And it takes somebody with a pretty good background in com computers to right. hook it up. So if that same mirror gets knocked off, it is a claim. So a combination of people moving here, more people driving, less people commuting because gas is cheap. Uh, it's really putting pressure on rate to drive the auto rates up. And none of the consumers are happy right now. I totally understand. Right. Well, it all makes sense. Um, yeah, because there are so many factors. Because, yeah, yeah, my thought is, is that that's good. The housing, mm -hmm. the surplus of that could hopefully decrease the rates. But right. But that means there's more people, more cars. So another two things. One, stay off your phone. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to driving. Absolutely. So hopefully in the long term, that will pay off. Now, I hesitate to say that because as I say that, people that are listening and know me are like, yeah, you're one to speak because of how you drive. But I will say my craziness makes me very defensive. And that's what really keeps you out of accidents, right? It does. It helps. I mean, slowing down helps too. But, uh, and the other is be an advocate for mass transit. Um, Absolutely. I mean, we're trying to figure all that out. You know, it's interesting. I drove down to uh, uh, Cool Springs today. And I was like, man, they seem to always be working on 65. They got that area nice. Then you hit a 440 and it's just you're dodging the potholes. I guess it's something about the money with the different counties, right? It could be. I'm not <laughs> real sure, but I agree with you. There's there's a few roads here in town that need some help. They do. So, yeah, that's uh, something to keep in mind. Um, as far as with people shopping insurance, what's, you know, one or two things that they should uh, – be looking for? Um, yeah, I think I probably touched on some already, but again, our belief at Burns Insurance Group and at Allstate is it takes more than 15 minutes. And your top priority should not be how much money I can save or to just get a quote. I would look for an agent who literally is going to take the time to get to know me and know my family and know my needs, and who's going to try to really work with me and be there for me. Uh, again, things we try to do, we try to give you our home phone number. Uh, we won't just quote your insurance without having a good long conversation with you. We look at everything and we recommend things to you. Uh, you don't always have to take our recommendations, but we want to make sure that you're well prepared for what if. 
And the other thing I would look for in trying to stay with a company in terms of longevity, if you don't know your insurance agent's name, if you can't remember the last time they did an insurance review for you, then I might start scratching my head and think, do they really care about me? Our agency performs at least one annual review with every customer we've got that will let us, and we usually try to do it twice a year. And what we're looking for and what you should be looking for from your agent or your company is what's changed in your life, Andrew, since the last time we got a chance to sit down together. New job, new babies, baby, marriage, yep. divorce, new house, rental property. Oh, you bought a jet boat? Well, that's not covered under your home. Right. Those kind of things. Oh, you know, you, you've got a raise. That's great. You know, we may want to look at raising liability. You've got more at risk, those kind of things. And again, it's not always to pressure you into buying more. Well, and that's what it made me think, too, is if you get to know your agent and you trust your agent, there is that relationship. When you're doing the review, you know they're really trying to help you. They're not trying to sell you more stuff for more premiums. No, that's know? right. Yeah. Versus if you are just looking strictly at the numbers, you're probably not going to trust them when they're throwing some stuff at you that really would be a benefit. Because like when I did this, it wasn't a review, even though I think I had a review recently. And actually, um, it was like, well, yeah, you can have this and, and increase some coverages. And it actually, it was less less money. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's awesome. And with the camper, I think when I was going through the car thing, it made me think of the insurance. And I was like, you know what? If I'm pulling this thing around and the amount of sweat equity I put into this thing. Yeah, I'm this like, is I really cool, it. by the way. I, I, yeah. I need it covered. For sure. Sometimes you just, you're going through life. You're not thinking about those changes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess we do need more life insurance or we need more of this. So, yeah, that's uh, that's good thoughts. So, and you probably hit on this too. What should you look for in an insurance agent? Again, kind of highlight just the the personal relationship. Just real quickly. I mean, we, we really strive for a personal relationship. Uh, We give our clients our home phone number. Uh, we're open to extended hours. We're there on Saturday if you need us, those kind of things. But again, I really, truly look for in an agent for myself, uh, someone who's going to take the time to get to know you and your family. Uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you or our audience or anybody else that I know all 16,000 of my clients, but I've got 20 people on staff and a team of individuals who love and care. And our motto is we make friends and we help people. And that's what it's all about. So just know that, to me, the most important thing is having that agent that you can have a relationship with and build the trust. Right. So watching TV, there's all kinds of info commercials, some pretty funny ones Mm -hmm. to keep your attention. Um, And, you know, some of them are obviously bigger companies. What's, I guess, when you're looking at switching or you're not only just with the agent, but with what companies to go with, what's, um, I guess, what's to look out for with that? You know, I mean, do you have to be concerned that if, you know, there's one that maybe you had never heard of, but hey, they got great rates. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of a flag and saying, hey, look, when it comes to having that serious flood in the house, there's a good chance that you might not be covered or they'll try to wigger their way out of it. Is that some truth to that or um 
You know, it, it's hard to say because there are a lot of good companies and some of them are smaller companies. Uh, there are a lot of companies out there that spend a lot of money advertising. But the thing that I look for is the companies that have been around a long time, like Allstate, State Farm. Allstate's been be- putting people in good hands for over 80 years. Um, I look for a company who is incredibly financially sound. Uh, That's one thing I'm extremely proud of. A lot of people have already forgot about this, but a lot of your insurance companies and a lot of your companies in general took TARP money, took bailout money. Allstate did not take $1. Uh, We are a corporation with stockholders. A lot of your insurance companies are mutual companies, and especially your smaller companies are mutual companies. That means not for profit, but also means not for loss. And the biggest example I can give you to kind of address this, when Hurricane Katrina hit down on the Gulf Coast, there were about 200 companies in the state of Louisiana. About 185 of them or 190 had problems playing claims. All states still down there today rebuilding Louisiana and Mississippi Gulf Coast and involved in the community and paying claims and doing things like that. So again, it's hard when we're consumers and I'm one that if I pull up on the corner and see four gas station and one's two cents a gallon cheaper, that's where I'm buying gas to not think, oh, they tell me on TV, insurance is easy. Even a caveman can do this. Just take 10 minutes and get on the computer and save 15%. Well, if you save $100 on your premium for 20 years, what do you got? A good savings. A good savings, unless you have minimum coverage and you're driving down the interstate and you ran a $385,000 tractor trailer through the medium. They hit two cars on the other Mm. side and both of them were Mercedes and killed somebody. And guess what? That insurance comes up and says, Andrew, you had $15,000 in liability coverage. Here's your check. And oh, by the way, this other $450,000 you owe, and this million dollars you're getting sued for, you owe, yon, yon, bud. Have a nice day. And they can garnish your wages. They can put a lien on your home, your property. They can be really evil when it comes to going and getting the money if you're underprepared. So uh, what I caution people is don't always just go out there and say, oh, joy insurance is cheap. I'm buying. Which goes back to what you had said originally. You know, if just be cautious if it's just about the numbers because you want to talk to an agent to dive into your personal situation. Absolutely. To know that you are covered. For sure. I understand that you work hand-in-hand with realtors and mortgage representatives to ensure people have the right insurance coverage for their home, as well as meet their closing date. You know, obviously, being in real estate, that's uh, key. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about that and why that is. I mean, uh, it's good for mortgage people and real estate people to have a partner they can count on. Uh, I know when I've bought homes, the most important thing to me was to get that home closed at the time I needed to, to get that loan through underwriting and to be able to move in. Because when I bought homes, mostly it's been because I moved to a new area. 
So we understand how important that is. And you have new people coming to town. You have first-time home buyers. You have people that have, you know, they're graduating college and getting their first home. All kind of scenarios. And we've just found it very beneficial to the consumer and to the mortgage and real estate folks that we work with to get on their team, to be part and partisan of what they do. And we really look for and will deliver the policy, the product, the need, and get it there when they need it. And uh, it's important because if you show up at closing and you don't have your ducks in a row, you don't close, you can't move in, that can create lots of problems. So, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing we try to do is be part of their teams and really make sure we deliver what they need so they can get their people moved in their new home and everybody's happy. Yeah, and it makes me think, as an agent, there's so much caution on even referring vendors mm-hmm. because, well, what if this happens and they come back? And, you know, I got to be honest, with me, it's like I have relationships with people. I trust these people. And, you know, I want to take care of my buyers or sellers. So I'm always going to refer, you know, my clients. And I know a lot in a lot of cases with insurance agents, uh, a lot of the lenders, you know, are pretty heavily involved with, you know, referring you guys. Um, And I keep saying, hey, I want to be in part of that, you know, but I haven't made it a priority to be on the forefront of that. Um, So as far as I think you said that you have like 15 clients you, you have overall. Is that right? Or am I wrong? Or are you like the, the, the biggest um, all state agency in Tennessee? We, um, we're very top 25. Yeah, we're very, we're very blessed. Uh, we, we started April 1st of 2004. Okay. Uh, very fitting for me starting on April Fool's Day. And uh, we started with one simple thought to make friends and help people. Since then, we've grown to over 16,000 families insured. We're uh, the largest all-state group in the state of Tennessee. We're extremely blessed, and we're one of the largest uh, all-state agencies in the whole country. We're somewhere in the top 25 or 30. And how does that benefit you as a consumer, or how does that benefit you as a realtor or a mortgage person? Um, We're able to do some things that some agents just can't do. Uh, And namely, we have a a team of people that's large enough to get the job done. I don't mean this disrespectful in any way, uh, and I hate to use the word typical, but a normal insurance agent opens at nine, closes at five, Monday through Friday. They've got one helper answering the phone. They've got a nice book of business. It's their job. And sometimes you can get a hold of them and sometimes you can't. And a lot of times if they're helping one or two people, they're maxed out. Well, we have eight people devoted to nothing but service in our organization. We've got two people devoted to nothing but claims. We've got two more people that do nothing other than annual reviews and customer reviews. And then we've got a sales team of six or seven folks that can answer the phone and focus on spending the time you need. And you know, I I went back to saying, don't just get a quote. While most agents want to quote you, and they don't tell you this, it's usually Joe and Sally or Sue and Mary. 
And if Sue takes more than five or 10 minutes to quote you, that phone maybe have rang two or three more times. Or while she's quoting you, she's got to stop and take a payment. She's got to stop and handle the claim. You may need something right now. And again, if they're only taking four or five minutes and asking a few generic questions to quote you, don't be surprised when you get your final coverage if your rate doesn't go up. And if you, you know, if you actually take the time to look at your policies, there are a lot of line items and details that can be adjusted. There you know, absolutely or even are. for that matter, you know, you can't get a quote. Well, maybe you don't want a five hundred dollar deductible. Maybe you wanted a thousand or fifteen hundred to have sure. a lower premium, you know. And so yeah. getting to know, you know, I know I think and I imagine in a lot of family situations, you have one that's more risky and one that's less, you mm-hmm. know, I would be like, oh yeah, high premiums. You know, my wife would be like, no, I want to mitigate the risk, you know. Um, right. So getting to know. Absolutely. And, and it sounds like, obviously, being the size you are and the longevity of you being in the business um, says a lot for your reputation. Yeah. Well, thank you about and, that. You know. And again, where it really helps us the most, though, like I said, we, we have the scale and the people to deliver what you need. And we have the sales team set up to focus on you and your needs. And again, if you're a, a real estate professional or a mortgage professor, professional, uh, how many times have you sent over a declaration for in, insurance to an agent and six or seven or eight or 10 days later, you still don't have it and you're trying to prepare your documents and get closed? We've got the team that can do it. And you know we don't like to, but we can turn run, one around in 20 or 30 minutes if we need to. Right, that's good. So also, which, you know, this uh, which would kind of speak to me because I probably didn't share everything I'm doing with the, with the podcast and the Rambler, but, you know, giving back is a, a big piece of it. You know, I'm sitting down with a nonprofit each month and then I'm focusing on getting their message out. And then um, every closing, I donate some money to the nonprofit. That's and awesome. Every, every referral, I'll donate a little bit and then I'll also coordinate an outreach project um, for the nonprofit. So I also heard, you know, in your case, you uh, you won the giving award from the National Business Journal for being one of the, one of Middle Tennessee's most charitable companies. Um, what does this mean to you, and what char- charities are near and dear to your heart? Yeah, no, I, I mean it. It truly uh, has touched my heart, and I know that giving is important. It was instilled in me when I was a little kid on a cotton farm in Blyville, Arkansas, because if it rained, we made money. If it didn't rain, we didn't have money. Uh, We were a pretty big farmer, and I never could understand when storms were coming or times were hard. My dad would say, come on, boys, we're going to go help Mr. Vire. We're going to go help Mr. Ray. Mm -hmm. And they were small farmers, and I'm like, well, Daddy, we got more than we need to do right here. Son, they need the help. They don't have the help. We're blessed. We'll figure it out. And we ended up working harder. But he taught me to give back. And uh, my dad, at his funeral, I had probably 25, 30, maybe 40, especially men, come up and say, Terry, you don't know this about your pop, but... uh." He bought me a used car when I left for college. I wouldn't have had wheels to go back and forth. Or he, when he used to come into the cotton gin, he knew all us kids were hanging out downtown, and he'd take us all in a grocery store and buy us all a Mountain Dew and a candy bar. And 
or he, you know, he, he loaned me a hundred dollars one time when I got in a tight spot. And so my dad's giving back wasn't necessarily the charitable organizations, but it was the community and the, the kids. And he knew, as I know, that God blesses us and gives us more than we need. And if we just get up in the morning and work from daylight to exhaustion, things work out. And there are also people who are less fortunate. And there are also things in the world that need the help. So as I got in business for myself and we started being blessed and we started getting growth, giving back not only was important to me and my wife, it was going to be important to my team. So we have been honored uh, and been chosen as one of Nashville's companies uh, that are most charitable. And to be our size, uh, we were just blown away. But uh, the Children's Diabetes Clinic at Vanderbilt is extremely near and dear to my heart. Lost my father-in-law to diabetes. Lost my favorite uncle to diabetes. Know lots of families who have it. More importantly, children with it. It's just terrible. So, uh, got involved with Vanderbilt Children's Diabetes. You know, Vanderbilt is world-class. They get all kinds of gifts. They get all kinds of endowments, donations. A lot of it's for cancer. A lot of it's for heart attack and stroke. But these kids and the epidemic we have in the state of Tennessee is unreal. And so, we got involved and decided we were going to try and raise some money. Uh, One of my best friend's son nearly died of diabetes and had no idea he even had it. So first year, we raised $30,000. We gave that to Vanderbilt. And I've given money to charities and things before and never knew what happened. Well, about six, eight weeks after we gave them the money, we got a picture of a machine that they had purchased Mm -hmm. to check children's eyes. And you have to check, I don't know the science, but you have to check behind the eye. Okay. And diabetes, especially in kids, can cause them to go blind and lose their sight. These machines are rare. They're expensive. And if you just send your kids to a normal eye doctor, it it isn't happening. So the first year alone with that machine, they tested over 3,000 kids. And they found about 50 that they're able to start treating and cure. The second year of the tournament, they were able to buy a mobile machine, and now they take that around the different cities around Nashville. And so that's one that's near and dear to me. Uh, I grew up farming, raising animals, have lots of pets. Uh, The animal shelter here in Mount Juliet is an unbelievable organization. We've been heavily involved with them um, since my wife has been a teacher. Now, what does she do? She teaches at West Elementary here in Mount Juliet. She uh, will have 30 years in this year. And uh, she's a first grade teacher, and she still loves the kids. But again, growing up in a rural community, uh, I knew there were lots of kids that came to school without a coat. I didn't understand why they didn't have one. So Cindy and I have kind of carried that forward. So the first cold day of school, we always see which kids don't have a coat. We'll go to Walmart the next day and buy them coats. Uh, we kind of figure out which kids don't have food on the weekends. We send food home in the backpacks. We do different things to try to help, but uh, it, it, it's not me. Uh, it's it's our team. It's their efforts. Uh, it's the people we work on boards with here in the community, and uh, that has truly been a blessing. That's something I will be extremely proud of mm-hmm. from now on. 
Well, and it makes me think with doing all that you do and, you know, having a company that's giving back like that and all your employees being involved, that would probably tie right into why, you know, you were awarded the best places to work because, I mean, to work for a company that's doing that, that's just a reward in itself, you know? Yeah, it, it is. And again, that's something we've been honored the last couple of years of being one of the best 25 places to work in Middle Tennessee. Uh, that strictly comes from the employees. Uh, that would be something that if I could uh, send in an affidavit and we would win, we'd win every year. But right. uh, they interview <laughs> my team, they interview the employees, and uh, you know we we try to create a happy environment. Uh, and again, that philosophy that we try to take from servicing our customers, you know, I try to do the same thing with my employees. I really truly want to make friends and help people. Uh, you know, we try to do things for them uh, that are good for them. Um, we've tried to offer benefits from the beginning and things like that. But I think it's more of I've got some single moms that work for me. Uh, if they have a sick child, I, they don't have to miss work. We've got little play areas set up in the back with computers and bean bags and different things. You know, every now and then I've got two or three kids at work, but that's okay. Uh, you know, somebody needs flexible lunch, flexible hours, those kind of things. So we, we just try to make that environment. Uh, I hate to use the word fun, but we try to make it where the people have a good time. And I also look for people who are passionate when we bring people on the team. Because if you're passionate about helping the customers, you're probably going to be passionate about helping your teammates. And if you get everybody working together, it, it creates a pretty good environment. And again, we're just extremely blessed for that. But lastly, I noticed the first time I walked into Allstate and your office was open and I got pretty excited because anytime I see Razorback, stuff or a fan like it you know it's like woohoo whooping um, so and actually you had so what did you do when you were there you you traveled around with who was it and I, I what traveled, was that story yeah, with that I, I will uh in a prior life after I left Frito-Lam before I got to Allstate okay uh I ran a charcoal company in Middle Tennessee for the Crace family uh and I'm sitting in my office one day and I get a phone call and she said her name was Sue, and she was Coach Danny Ford's secretary. And my first thought was, because I am like Mr. Hogg crazy, uh, I thought somebody's playing a trick on me. And I said, ma'am, this is Terry, but uh, who, who are you trying to fool? And she said, sir, Coach Ford on the phone. And, and he gets on the phone, and he goes, boy, I hear you a pretty big Razorback fan, and y'all won Memphis in May, and you in the charcoal business. I said, is this Coach Ford? He said, well, who did she tell you it was? And I said, am I talking to the Danny Ford? And she said, and he said, yes, you are, son. Now, let's get back to business. I like to cook. And more importantly, y'all cook good. And I'm going to go all these high schools around the state of Arkansas cooking hamburgers for these boys and coaches and get to know them, will you help me? So I got to spend about six weeks of glorious time out in the state of Arkansas going to all the little high schools, all the big high schools, cooking hamburgers and hot dogs for some unbelievable kids and coaches and got to hear Coach Ford tell stories about Bear Bryant 
in Alabama and Clemson and Arkansas and playing football and coaching football. And it was just incredible. So uh, if I hadn't been a big hog fan, I would have been. But uh, been calling the hogs ever since I was a little boy. Uh, something my mom still probably doesn't know today. So if you listen to this podcast, mom, forgive me. Uh, 1979, October the 20th, I think it was, Arkansas was playing Texas, our big rivalry. Yep. Lou Holtz was there, and he pretty much predicted before the season the Hogs was going to beat Texas. Texas was a 24-and-a-half-point favorite, and Terry Lee Burns had to take his ACT test. His best subject was math. So, first three parts of the ACT, he whizzed through, but that game started at 12 o'clock, so on the math part, he just checked a few answers and left because he wasn't going to miss kickoff. Right. So I got my ATC scores, and I had a 26 in one part and a 25 in another and a 22 in another and a 6 in another. Oh, math. my gosh. <laughs> and my mom come unglued. She said, Terry, how could you do so bad in math? You're so smart with numbers. I'm like, Mama, I don't know, but I'll try to see if I can <laughs> take it hilarious. again. But the Hogs won the game. I got into college, and life was good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, what do you think? Will we win the West this year? You know, I'd love to say that. Uh, I've seen predictions for Arkansas all over the board, and as any real good college football fan knows, the SEC is really hard. SEC West is extremely hard because you've got great schools like Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. But what I do truly believe this year We've got a senior quarterback. We've got three really good tailbacks. Even though our uh, number one tailback got hurt, the offensive line is going to be much improved. Paul Rhodes, who came in from Iowa State as a head coach, and is now our defensive coordinator. Uh, Iowa State didn't min- win many games when he was there, but their defense always ranked in the top 15 or 20 in the country. Uh, they switched to a 3-4 on defense. So they're going to start really utilizing their speed, and they're not going to have to have six or seven or eight or ten guys play on the defensive front. Uh, It's a lot easier for a school like Arkansas to recruit five or six D linemen than it is eight or ten or twelve like you get at Alabama. And I think Arkansas, if they can beat TCU at home, their second game of the year, uh, and then two weeks later go to Dallas and beat Texas A&M for the first time under Brett Bielema, uh, I believe Arkansas will be 6-0 and when they go to Alabama. I still don't think they'll beat Alabama, but if they can keep from getting too many kids hurt right. uh, and win those first six games, I think Arkansas win 9-10 games this year. And that's not the fan in me. That's just knowing they've got the talent there, and Bielema has been there long enough now that their depth is right. starting to get back where it was back before Bobby Petrino got us in trouble. So if um... – if uh, if you had a game to pick, like I'm going with a good friend of mine to one game in Fayetteville this year, which one would you suggest I go to? Um, if you're going to one game in Fayetteville, uh, I would probably try to go early and go to the TCU game. It's the second game of the season, uh, Old Southwest Conference rivalry. Uh, it's beautiful that time of year in Fayetteville. Uh, the other game, and maybe the game, is on my birthday. It's October 22nd. And we play Auburn, and everybody knows Gus Malzahn down at Auburn oh, yeah. was a high school coach in Arkansas, brought five or six of his kids from Springdale to Houston Nuts, 
recruiting class. Him and Nutt didn't get along. He got fired, and there is no love loss between Malzahn <laughs> and Arkansas. And uh, the last time they came to Fayetteville, it was, I believe, a four-overtime game, and Arkansas beat them. So uh, that, that'll be a big game, yeah, well, too, in October. Okay. Well, cool deal. Well, Terry, thank you so much for all the information. I think you uh, gave the listeners some good information. And um, if you're not in Mount Juliet or Nashville, because you got office in Mount Juliet, where else? Nash, we, we're in Nashville, uh, close to the airport on uh, Elm Hill Pike. Okay. We have an office down in Williamson County in the Cool Springs area. And we're here in Mount Juliet. Uh, we're licensed in several states and okay. we can write from uh, one end of Tennessee to the other. But as you can tell from this, I like to talk. My folks do too. Uh, we'll ask you a few questions. We'll try not to get too personal. But if you give us a chance to get to know you, we'll do everything we can to help you. And and if you're not using a Terry and you're out of the state, uh, which you did say you could do that as well. But yes. just know what to look for in your agent, you know, having that relationship, which is a, uh, you know, after talking to lenders and just different people, you know, I don't know if it's just Tennessee, which we are, you know, I guess noted for being the friendliest, um, one of the friendliest cities, right? But everybody does value the relationship, you know, because I do think with technology and and everything is so quick to just look at the numbers, but it's like, you know, let people dive a little deeper into your actual situation to give you the best um, best course of action. You yep, know, so. absolutely. Well, you can find us at burnsinsurancegroup.com or if you want to get a hold of us, uh, 615-758-5228. Uh, just give us a call and uh, or look us up on the web. We'll be glad to help. All right. Thanks so much, Terry. Uh-huh. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Now that you know what to look for in your insurance agent, and I will let your insurance agent tell you what you need for coverage. We're going to pick up with the second part of the interview with Ryan Stackhouse. So what, being in lending, obviously you have some lending and real estate advice. What advice would you give uh, buyers and sellers in this uh, nice, crazy Nashville market? Yeah. I, you know, I think the biggest wisdom that I could possibly impart to people is be patient and know what you want um, because it's easy to get caught up in the hype right now and it's easy to get pulled into a multiple offer situation where you're, you're running off of just wanting to win. And I think it's important to step back and really assess your goals, assess what you're going after and keep a laser focus on your, your end goal. So, gotcha. If if I can impart just one big nugget, I think it would be that. Right. And then, how about from a lending perspective? Um, yep. What lending advice could you uh, give in a few minutes? Sure. Um, I, I would say the uh, lending advice would be to monitor your credit report. Don't follow what Credit Karma says because that's not an actual credit score. That's that's a general credit score. Call a lender, someone like myself, or a lender that you know, and get get a good copy of your credit report, know where you're at. And also know, know um, what you need to do from your lender to get to your next milestone, to get to your next goal. Um, have a roadmap in place, um, know how much money you need, um, know what programs fit your goals. And, and I would say, you know, if you're looking at real estate investing, um, you know, keep, 
keep some clear goals with that too. Make sure you're you're looking at each deal for the cap rates that you want, the cash flow that you want. And again, don't get so passionate and worked up in winning that you miss sight of what those goals are that you you went into it uh, in the first place that, that made you get into it. So good advice. And then what's your mortgage company called? Uh, we're called uh, the Ryan Stackhouse Mortgage Team Success Mortgage Partners. We're over at 1006 Shelby Avenue in, in East Nashville. So we're, we're right here in the community. And right, I know right you're, a, you're a sit down and, and get to meet, get to yep. put people on a plan type lender as well, right? Yep. I'm a, I'm a very relational kind of guy. So this kind of thing is, is what I love to do. And um, our office, we have couches in there. So if you want to, you know, if you want to laugh, you want to cry, <laughs> it, it we'll cry happen, with you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll cry with you. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I will add a note because I just got a call from a uh, multiple offer. Um, and <laughs> from the realtor's perspective, yeah. I like winning the multiple, multiple offers, you know, as well mm-hmm. for my clients. Sure. Um, and it's never going in crazy. You yeah. Know? Sure. Sure. Um, but we went after one. There was like twelve offers, and and uh, I knew our, I knew we had a solid offer, mm-hmm. cash offer. Yeah. But we didn't get it. Yeah. Um, and it was clients that were buying it for their son. Mm-hmm. So couldn't really add a nice little letter to seller as yeah. you know, fluffy as um, as I've had some. Yep. Um, and you know. Not to say they're all just bluff, but uh, to make it throw a little motion in there. Yeah, you can pull the seller. Pull the heartstrings. And I talked to the agent, and we didn't get it because the other, even though they had financing terms and everything, yeah. we ended up going with that offer. I was like, yeah. all right, next one. Because they, they wrote the letter. Yeah, they wrote yeah. the letter. Um, and I usually advise, but again, this was a different scenario. Yeah. But we went in for a backup. Um, and I think a lot of people probably don't pursue the backup yeah. as, as often, yep. but my buyers were pretty hot and wanting to find something. So yeah. we put something else on a contract. Well, then I get a call back from the agent yesterday and I actually have not physically spoken with her, but based on the text and the mm-hmm. voicemail, I think it's, it's, uh, that deal's falling through. Yeah. So don't give up hope if you find something, it's like, keep yeah. looking, but you know, going for a backup. Yep. And yep. let it sit there because you're not tied to it until it uh, it comes live and you have that opportunity, you know. So yeah, yeah, it, you know, I I think um, what I had said about not getting tied up in uh, you know trying to win, uh, maybe didn't say that correctly. No, I, I mean I wouldn't I think, disagree with you because yeah. I think it could go both both ways for sure yeah and i think it's good to be determined it's good to have a focus and determination but i just i see so many people going after these deals and they end up you know sometimes you do have to overpay in this market but i see some where they they take their initial motive for going for buying a house and they lose that in the emotion of trying to just get the deal done, right? You know? Well, so. and even with that being said, it makes me think of you being an investor, but thinking about investor deals. Because yeah. even though I've seen some, you know, good offers presented by investors, I've also seen some, you know, like I had one that they were probably came in twenty five k below, you yeah, know, where we have it in our contract. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes I want to be like when I'll if I see something like in my neighborhood. And I'm thinking, ah, just wait, you yeah. get a buyer, you yeah. know? So, you know, get kind of goes back to just being patient. So, yep. yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, even a lot of people moving here, um, some wait, some don't. You always can wait, even yeah. though 
even though the rental market's pretty crazy as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, agree. I would agree. I think it's uh, it's probably having those clear goals to mm-hmm. help you determine which direction. You know, so yeah, cool. And and just knowing that anything is possible as long as you're determined and you're. At the name of the game in this industry that I found, whether you're an investor, whether you're a mortgage broker, or whether you're a real estate broker, whatever you're doing, name of the game is relationships. And I found that, you know, most of the deals that I've bought have been off market and mm. it's just relationships. It's all relationships. Right, so right. Because they know you're looking, yep. you know. So, and, and I think that parlays to music too. I think for anyone out there just wanting to make it in any industry, it's, it's all about relationships. Right. So. Right. And that's why I love real estate. I yep. love the relationship piece. Me too. Piece. Yeah. So I noticed that it seemed like the mandolin songs are a little shorter. Yeah. So the way the way it works in bluegrass, it's similar to jazz, where you where you play the melody the first time around, and then you kind of go around the horn, and you each each instrument uh, plays the melody, and then the second time around, um, you improvise and come up with like your own kind of feel for the song, and then. At the end, you quote the melody again and you you take it out. So if you're playing solo, it, it, it you tend to play just the melody or you tend to play around the melody um, to keep that at the forefront of what you're what you're playing. You can always uh, improvise and, and throw little things in there, which it, which I did, um, you know, throw my little embellishments in there to right. give it my own flavor. So, OK, yeah. cool. Mm hmm. Me too, man. All right. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me in the Rambler. Yeah. And, thanks for uh, having me, man. I'll be talking to you soon. Cheers. Well, let's uh, let's hear you play a couple okay. songs on the mandolin. Cool. So this one's called uh, Cherokee Shuffle, and this this is probably one of my all time favorite fiddle tunes. It's it's a really cool like it's got an Irish feel to it, um, but it's an old Southern fiddle tune, and it it pulls from that Appalachian culture and like that feel of like the Scottish Irish immigrants, like sitting on their porch and, you know, playing on the porch and creating that, that energy from their, their homeland, I guess. Um, it, 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 at least that's how I feel when I, when I listen to it or when I play it. So I let everybody else kind of get their, their feelings from it. So. enjoyed that interview with Ryan 
It's always uh, enlightening listening to a musician, and in his case, um, a lender that is doing some music on the side. It's uh, always nice to see a musician being able to balance both and keep that passion for music as well as uh, pursue a career in the, in the business world, whatever that might be. Make sure to give Terry Burns and his group a call if you have any insurance needs. They will definitely guide you and direct you. As you can tell, Terry is a... Uh, He's uh, got a nice little Arkansas accent, and uh, you definitely tell his heart is in his business and helping others. So I know they will take very good care of you if you have any needs. So make sure to check out the show notes for any contact info regarding Allstate. I hope you enjoyed episode nine last week and listening to Brent Gambrell and his heart for Haiti. I am looking forward to partnering with them for the month of August and reaching the goal of 5500 bucks to help build a home in Haiti. Actually, not help, but to build a home in Haiti. So if you would like to be involved in that and make any donation, please reach out to me, and I'll make sure that that is included in reaching the goal. And every closing I have for the month of August, I'll donate $500 to that goal. And every referral I receive for the month of August, I'll donate $25 towards the goal. So looking forward to that and also looking forward to uh, reading his book when it comes out. Next episode is I'll be sitting down with the builder. I had intended to do that on this episode, but I figured with the timing of my house being flooded and just all the insurance stuff on the top of my mind, I thought that that would be a good um, good topic to talk about this week. Also, still figuring out all the uh, the timing and being proactive to make sure I get my guests lined up as, uh, you know, incorporating a little podcasting in real estate as well as the market in Nashville is busy. So that's pretty much most of my time is in real estate and doing a little podcast on the side. So still working all the details out and making sure I'm proactive um, so anyways, hope you enjoy, hope you enjoyed the podcast this week and look forward to discussing building stuff next week. As always, if you have any real estate needs, buying or selling in the Nashville market or surrounding counties, please give me a shout. If you're in another area and you're looking for an agent and you don't have any connections or friends to put you in contact with some agents, feel free to reach out. Um, I have access to a database and, and lenders and other realtors to put you in contact with. So make sure to give me a shout if you have that need. Make sure to uh, check out my website, buckwalterimpactgroup.com. I have uh, a nice uh, new search tool. actually had a new website built, and it's got all the, the podcast episodes and uh, much more stuff, and I'll be incorporating videos, um, tips, pretty much all the stuff we've been going over on a podcast i've been videoing as well and eventually i'll get all that stuff edited and stuck on a website so um, if you want to watch some video it will be there until next week hope you have a great one thanks for listening to another episode of the music city real estate show if you enjoyed our program please leave us an itunes rating and review and subscribe for more music and valuable insights each week into nashville's real estate landscape Send your comments, questions, and ideas to podcast at buckwalterimpactgroup.com. And remember, don't give up until you find the property that's right for you. See you next time.